So if you haven't noticed, there's something a little bit different happening with season three of the podcast. We're actually releasing episodes every other week. So if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the last episode, you definitely have to do that. But it came out two weeks ago instead of just one week. We're kind of giving ourselves a little bit of room to breathe there. But for right now, I am welcoming the incredible Chanel Dokun. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Hey there, entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show. We have such a fantastic conversation coming at you today. I am here with Chanel Ducoon, who is a certified life planner and relationship expert trained in marriage and family therapy. She specializes in helping women step into their life's true calling through her Women of Consequence Life Planning Organization. Prior to running her own business and co-founding a 7 figure practice, Healthy Minds NYC. She worked in publishing at Hearst Magazines. She now splits her time between New York City and Atlanta with her psychiatrist husband and her son, who is very cute, folks. Props to you on that, Chanel. Yes. Um, she's she's um, writing and she has writings and contributions that have appeared in amazing publications such as the New York Times, Real Simple, Women's Day, and so many more. But most importantly, a huge congratulations to her because by the time this episode airs, your new book, Life Starts Now, How to Create the Life You've Been Waiting For, will be out in the world. So congratulations and welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a warm welcome. And yeah, I cannot believe that you actually just got to say that last sentence (laughs) that the book will be out in the world. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm so pumped. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for you. I just I can't I can't wait for women to kind of learn all of your wisdom and everything that you've that you've, you know, going to put into this book. And I'm excited to have this teaser here too, here on the podcast. So let's jump in. So I want to talk about and set the stage a little bit for your book, because, you know, you say that you spent the first half of your life focusing on achieving and attaining a certain lifestyle, which I think many of us, myself included, can relate to. And then all of a sudden you were like, wait a minute, something something isn't quite right here. <laughs> so could right. you tell us about kind of that period of your life? Yes. So I have this little uh, thing that I say in the book that I call it drowning in shallow water, right? And this idea that life looks really good on the outside and you've achieved all the things or seemingly achieved all the things. And inside you're like, oh my goodness, I'm drowning. This is not working out for me. And so for me, I I think there was a pivotal moment where I was standing in the middle of Rockefeller Center. I had finally achieved my dream of working in magazine publishing. It was awesome. I was working for House Beautiful and we'd built a life-size kitchen right where they put the Christmas tree every year. And 350,000 people pass through Rock Center every day. And so All of these folks were, you know, tourists were going by and they were looking like, oh my goodness, who are these people behind the velvet robes? 
And I remember standing there and I had the thought of, I've made it, you know, I'm here in terms of I'm doing the job, not so much that people are looking at me, but the idea that I'm doing the job I long to do. I had great relationships. I was connected to a great spiritual community. I'd made friends. I felt like good in my own skin and my body and all those things that, you know, you kind of are striving for in your twenties, what you think your life will be like by the time you're 30. And I'd done it. And that thought was immediately followed by, oh my goodness, this is so unfulfilling. And I realized that I wasn't actually alive. Like I wasn't fully firing on all cylinders. And I think that I was living very much a should life and living by what seemed like it should have been my, um, you know, pursuit of success or what significance looked like. And inside I, I felt a little empty. And so that's really what sent me on my journey is trying to find out what does it mean to live a more meaningful life, both for me and for other people, what does that actually look like? And how do you practically step into uh, a life of purpose? Yeah. I like the fact that you said practically, right? Because I think what you just described, I have been in similar situations where all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, my entire life is orchestrated in such a way that if I step to the right or the left of that view of that vision, something's going to unravel. So it has to be practical and it has to be a thing that will not, you know, kick off a set of dominoes that'll undo everything in a major way. Right. So I'd assume, you know, tell us more about that. Yeah. So I think, you know, I think you're right. I think it's, how do I do something that's practical, um, both in the sense of how do I not disrupt, you know, every single part of my life though, in some cases that might be necessary. Some of us need a massive disruption, right? Um, In other cases, I think that the practicality is necessary because when we talk about life purpose, it can become this really like wooey, like esoteric conversation. That's very vague. Mm-hmm. And we feel really good <laughs> about talking about it. Like yeah. we're talking about important things, but nothing's actually changed. And so for me, I was like, I don't want to just think about like what a more meaningful life is. I want to step into it. Mm-hmm. And that started with me starting to pay attention to who am I? How mm-hmm. have I been uniquely created? Like what's my identity outside of what anybody else's looks like? Yeah. What do I really, really want? And where am I headed? Like, what's the big direction of my life? And then starting to say, okay, here's how I move into that in these kind of mini steps in every different bucket of my life. So it wasn't for me, it wasn't just career either. It was a lot of different things that I had to evaluate. Yeah. And how did you stay from being overwhelmed during that? Because like you just said, every area of your life and as women, we have so many kind of labels in so many different areas of our lives that we walk through. Yeah. I think part of that starts by really what's embedded in what I call my life planning process now. And it's the idea that when you look at all things together, you can have a lot more confidence about the individual steps that you're taking because you're confident that it's not going to disrupt the other thing. I know that the choice I'm making for my career actually is in alignment with my long-term family goals. Yeah. You know, this the choices that I'm making um, for, you know, what kind of spiritual rhythms do I maintain in my life? Those things are actually supportive of the relationships that I'm trying to develop. So I do think um, it was interesting because you're right. I think when you look at everything at once, there is a temptation for that to, or a possibility that that could feel overwhelming. For me, I felt the reverse. And I I find that most of my clients actually feel the reverse as well, where it's like a breath of fresh air of finally, 
I'm looking at all these things that I care about and I'm honoring all of them at the same time. Yeah. It's like, it must be a sense of almost like integration finally, Yes, right? You're finally like, oh, I can show up. I say this a lot with leaders, right? Showing up with all of your pieces integrated to work or all of your pieces here or there, right? And you can actually step into them and there should, and that's how it kind of should feel, right? Like that you don't have to put on, because you and I both done that, where we put on the work mask, you put on the mom mask, you put on this mask and it's fucking exhausting. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So why do you think so many women are, are doing this are kind of, because I, you are one of many that I know have had that aha, like what the heck is going on here moment? Like, why, why is that happening? Yeah, I think we are fundamentally disconnected from our authentic selves. And I know, you know, that sounds like a a bold statement maybe to make, but I feel like we spend so much of our lives being externally formed, right? We're looking at external reference points for how we should live. So I look at what I see on social media. I look at what I see on television. I look at family and friends. I try to follow my family's script. All of these other things that have defined for us what success and what significance looks like. And so when we think I want to live an extraordinary life, we start trying to figure out, well, how can I measure up to what somebody else has set as the standard? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the you know, the kind of pathway out of that is starting to go, oh my goodness, I need to actually tune back in to who I am and what I really want absent of anyone else's influence. Yes. I love that absent of anyone else's influence, because that's a hard thing, especially if you are a caretaker, right. And you are, you're walking through it every single day. I mean, we are, we are immersed in other people's influences, I think daily. Right. So you know, I think as, as women at that quiet time, or even just the permission to ask yourself must be pretty revolutionary to quite a few women that you've spoken to, right? Yeah. I think that when I tell a woman that she has permission to be ordinary, um, there is usually like a breath or a sigh of relief, right? This idea that I can stop performing and, oh my goodness, what would it be like for me to just wake up tomorrow and be who I am and not feel bad about that and actually feel really fulfilled in my own skin? That would be a revolutionary concept. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that release is um, necessary, that we need to get rid of that external influence for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine many of them, as we've spoken about, kind of wake up and they don't even know who they are. Yeah. Right. Like you don't, it's almost like I've, who was I listening to the other day that was saying like, you know, you have to find that core thing that you liked when you were a child, right? Like way, way back. Right. And find that thing that lit you up. But then the, the, the other woman who was on the conversation said, I don't even know if I knew what that was. I came out of the womb, like, yeah, pleasing and performing and doing all of those things. So, I mean, how do you recommend like those first steps beyond kind of what you've described so far to unravel it? Yeah. Yeah. I have a little challenge in the book where I'll tell a woman a really great sign of whether or not you're connected to your own voice is if I ask you the question or if I prompt you to make a list of 25 things that you love, are you able to do it? Right. And sometimes it's like, people are like, yeah, totally. And they like, totally tap out after about four or five. (laughs) I don't know what I love after that. Right. And so they're so disconnected from themselves. And so because it is at the problem is that I don't know who I am. I don't recognize my own voice. I can't see myself. Then our solution has to be something that involves you 
sitting and paying attention and noticing yourself. So for me, the really practical first step that I have for all of my clients is to start like a reclaim the morning practice is what I call it. My kind of fancy title Love it for that yeah. daily time alone. Um, I love saying reclaim. It gives off big Maxine Waters energy of like, I'm reclaiming my time. Yes, please. Yeah. This is my life. Yeah. Um, but I, I love this idea that every day I could actually start my day in my own voice that yeah. I don't have to immediately pay attention to the influence of what everybody else wants and needs from me or thinks I should be doing, but I get to just hear like, what does Chanel want? <laughs> what does Michelle want? Like, right. Right. Yeah. And when you start to notice yourself day after day on the page and you kind of spend this time, it becomes a lot easier to then track. Oh, I think I consistently love this. Yeah. I think I'm drawn to this. Yeah. Um, so that knowing of self starts to increase over time for sure. Right. And I mean, I would imagine like I'm thinking of our, of our um, mutual friend, uh, Catherine Price in yes, her, love <laughs> dealing, her. With, dealing with fun and, and everything there too. And I remember her moment of just sitting on the couch, like, I don't even, I have free time and I don't even know what I like, and I don't even know yes. how to even pro proceed here. Um, absolutely. So I, I absolutely love that activity. And it doesn't, I imagine it doesn't have to be like, a half hour every morning, you can start small, right? So right. that you can, so it doesn't feel awkward. And I know what that feeling is with kids and husbands beating down the door. The oh my morning. goodness. <laughs> yes. No. This is an area where um, I always say like progress is better than perfection. You know, um, I think it is a hard thing to do. We literally had to create, because um, we know with, with everyone reading the book, a lot of people would like to start that practice. So we actually created a course so they could start to implement it. And one of the things that we said is exactly what you shared is how do I start small? How do I do five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, yeah. 10 minutes every other day, just to get going, because it might be such a foreign concept to how I've operated in my life that I have to wedge it in for a little right. while. Yeah. And I imagine like, once you start to kind of open that box and I'm speaking a little bit from personal experience as well. It's mm -hmm. like, once I opened that box, there was a range of emotions yes. that came out with that. Look, and there still is on the daily. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Like, yes. you know, yes. like, uh -huh. at, the, at society, at my husband, whoever. Um, but, you know, <laughs> how do, how can women step through that? I mean, I imagine like starting small is a good approach to that too, right? To kind yeah. of tame your emotion side when you come into that, right? Yeah, I think to give yourself permission of these things have always been there, right? These aren't actually new emotions. They've always been sitting mm -hmm. beneath the surface. And um, what I'm doing now is I'm just, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the crap for what it is, right? Or maybe I'm seeing the good. Hopefully, yeah. I hope you have yeah, some good hopefully. there too, right? Yeah, yeah of course. But I've had a client, I, I'll never forget one of my life planning clients. We did um, her two-day intensive retreat. And then she, uh, one of the things that out of that was she was going to start reclaiming the morning and she did. And then she called me up and she said, Chanel, I have to pause because I'm so terrified to see myself as this angry person. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize I was so angry and I don't like seeing that. Yeah. And I kind of laughed because that was part of the reason why I'd asked her to do it is because she was so angry and she couldn't recognize her where own to put anger, it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was an emotion that wasn't allowed in her family and it wasn't right. Um, and so she actually then had to deal with that. And I said, well, you know what? That's okay. So you're angry. Let's accept that you've always been angry or have been angry for quite some time. 
Now, what do we do with the anger? And so she was also in therapy at the same time, which I recommend for a lot of my clients. And that was so helpful because she could then take that language of anger back to process and kind of start to work through it. So having a good therapist on speed dial is also helpful. As you start to notice 110%, I'd say everybody over here in my family has one, Um, because, but I think you also raised the good point. And I think a lot of women need to hear this when we say it is all the emotions are acceptable because especially anger for women is very unacceptable at a lot of levels. And I think maybe, maybe it's time for us to get a little more angry about yes and process through all of that, right? Yes. I think, you know, I, I say emotions are, are shots fired in the dark, right? They are these beautiful opportunities for us to understand what's going on. And sometimes we get caught up in trying to manage the emotion. And I love to kind of flip it on its head and go, well, then like, what is this emotion trying to tell me? It's there for a reason. So what is it guiding me to? Um, what is it trying to help me to notice? And if I can honor that, the motion, the emotion kind of gets worked out for itself. Right. And it passes. I think right. that's the key is that some of these feel so big. Yeah. When, especially when they first surface, I imagine you seeing clients, like it's so like that anger feels like your client said, like, I can't, I can't handle it. Put it back in the box. Right. Right. <laughs> but if you can work your way through it, this too shall pass is actually a, a true sentiment with this. Right. Yes. Very true. Yep. So what you know, honestly, like I would hand it, um, I would hand it to men as well, honestly, <laughs> on some of this and be like, you read this too, because there's a whole, yes. to men and their societal, you know, things that they have to be as well. But what would you say to women about what you want them to step into ultimately af- after this? Yeah. I hope that women or whoever reads it, guys, welcome to, um, I hope that they feel a, like radical permission to be themselves. And so on a practical note, I hope that you have a clear sense and um, you have new language to actually describe who you are. I think that's important. So I don't want it to just be a vague, like I feel good about myself. I would love if you read the book and you felt like oh, I've got some language that I can now use as I walk into new scenarios. I have a new filter for the opportunities that come before me and I know um, what to move into. Will it be fulfilling for me or not based on how I'm wired? Because I finally have identified that. Um, And then just, you know, a plan. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if people are like me, but I just, I need a vision for my life to keep me going and help me to wake up every morning. And so that's my hope is that people will really have that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like that itself is extremely valuable for a woman to have or anyone to have because you wake up to the, you, well, let me back up a step. I feel like as adults, at some point we think we're locked and loaded and we're done, right? right? We no longer, we no longer have to have a vision. We no longer have to plan. We're just on autopilot. And that's very empowering to take back that, that choice that ability Mm -hmm. to choose, like if you go right or left and that you're not locked in as, you know, you've reached adulthood and you're done. Yes. (laughs) You fulfilled, you're good. Like stay in the job forever. Um, But I think everything that you've said is just so impactful. And I like the fact that you said, you know, you're not just looking for somebody to be like, oh, I feel better. Great. Super. Like, no, it's, it's much deeper than that. It sounds like it's much bigger than that. And it's life-changing. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what you've kind of done here. 
That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, any last points that you kind of want to touch on for folks listening? I mean, I'm I'm going to be singing your praises all over everywhere with this book. <laughs> so what else can you tell folks? Yeah, I think just that um, probably the biggest thing I'd want to leave you with is just knowing that you're entitled to a great life like right now. I think sometimes we wait. Um, I named the book Life Starts Now because I have too many clients and I know I spent too many years waiting for eventually, like maybe things will get to a point where they work out or I'll feel better or then I'll make that pivot. And I think we miss out on a lot of joy and satisfaction and meaning in our life, um, waiting for our eventually life. <laughs> and so I just want to, you know, invite you wherever you are and whatever that looks like for you to take some sort of action now. And, you know, assessment can be action, right? Taking the time to like take stock and audit your life. That's action too. But wherever you are, um, you know, don't hesitate, don't stay stuck, don't wait because, you know, your life starts now. You've got to, you've got to step into it. Yeah. And action breeds more action. Yes. Right? So even if it's like a baby step, that baby step's going to breed another baby step. And then you get that momentum going. And then, you know, you just step in one day, wake up and it's a completely different life. And you don't even know how you got there because it was so micro stepped right there to, right. Get, to, the, to get to the result. And I think, you know, what I love about everything that you're saying is the permission. It's just the permission that you're granting to women, whether they feel worthy or they don't feel worthy of it or whatever. I think you're just telling them that you are no matter what, no matter yeah. what level you show up at, you're, you're worthy to start it right now which yes. is beautiful. So tell people please where they can find you because you do, you do amazing stuff outside of this book too. <laughs> yeah. And well, you can always find me at my website. So Chanel spelled just like the perfume Dokun, D-O-K-U-N. Um, so go to Chanel Um, head to my website. There's of course the book, there is a resource and courses, but you can work with me. I love hanging out with people. Um, I don't know if I will be as fantastic of a coach as Michelle has been. <laughs> or continues to be, but, um, I definitely am available if you are asking some questions for that life purpose stuff and then follow me on Instagram. Um, Chanel.Dokun. I love connecting with real people. Like I like to be a real human being in the world. So <laughs> if you DM me, I will actually DM you back. There's no assistant that's like checking it or something. Um, I'd love to connect with you. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And go buy the book. Get it now, folks. Get it because it's going to be life changing. And I'm, I'm just so excited for you and thrilled for you on so many different levels. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Of course. I adored this conversation. You know, Chanel is an absolute pleasure and she's also one of the calmest and like, um, most inspirational people that I've met in a long time, because she has the ability to kind of succinctly put boil things down and, and articulate them in a way that you can really grasp onto them and make them your own. And I really enjoy her take on how people are pursuing that good life, right? Like we are all kind of in this striving and this hustle and the next best thing. And what does it look like mode instead of just stopping and saying like, Hey, is this actually what I want? Or is this just kind of what I think I want? Or, you know, how do I get to that place where I can hear myself think? And I love her reclaiming the morning practice and things like that. And go get her book. It's got great lessons in it as well as, you know, exercises to run and stuff like that. So you definitely have to go check out her book. We have linked it in the notes. 
And on our next episode, I am welcoming Laura Spalding to the show. Laura's story is out of this world. She is actually the CEO and founder of the leading decontamination company in the United States. And what's a decontamination company, folks? It is the pl- it's the company who comes and cleans up things like crime scenes or super disgusting, messy things. So she is like the, like the ultimate dirty job. But we're going to talk to her about her journey to becoming that role and how she's constantly reinvented herself. This is one story, you know, I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, but this is one for the record books. So you don't want to miss it. And if you love this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, download, follow, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life, right? See you later.